I do want to welcome our online folks uh, that are watching online, as David, as David shared. Um, you, we have a bulletin for our online folks as well. We have, of course, the in-person bulletin, but you can certainly get that on our website and follow along here in your Bibles or your Bibles at home with that. So if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of John. John chapter 6. Now, in a little bit, we will flip over and look at Matthew chapter 10 as well. We are beginning a sermon series for the month of January. This is an unusual month. It's a month, it's a new year, and we're coming out, we're finishing up. 2020, I believe, will, if it hasn't already, go down as probably one of the most unique years we all have ever lived through especially in the church world and our, our Christian faith. But we are now in a new year, and it's a new month. And each week, the remaining four, uh, counting today, the remaining four weeks of this month, this morning, we are going to be talking about rebuilding your commitment to God. The theme is rebuild. There may, may be some areas of your life that maybe at one point you were very committed to the Lord. And now, for whatever reason, getting out of your routine, I'm a routine guy. I thrive in doing the same thing every day. Do you know that is true? If you want success, if you do, you set your daily schedule, and you do it every single day, week after week, you will thrive doing that. In fact, I regress when I go on like vacation and go out of town. That's usually the most difficult times for me. Because I'm out of my routine. I'm a grinder. I live by the daily grind. I love it. Next week, we are going to be looking at rebuilding your family. You look around. You might have some family members. They're not sitting next to you right now. They're maybe out of church. They're, I don't know where they're at. Or they're maybe here at church. But there is opportunities in your life that you need to put back the biblical principle of family worship, family devotion, and have the statement at your home, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's next Sunday. Two Sundays, we're going to be looking at rebuilding our church. God has instituted and created the church. The church was created for you and I, corporately, to come to and to worship the Lord. We come amidst others and we worship Him. I mean, you look around, this is only one-third of our church that used to be a year ago. It's different. Everything's different. Many ministries that were continuing on have now ceased and the year of 2021 needs to be of rebuilding Broadway Baptist Church. Everything we do here at our church needs to point people to Jesus winning people to the Lord, and strengthening and deepening the faith that God has called us to have. You should come to church, and you should be blessed by the Lord as we worship Him. And then, in three weeks, the last Sunday in January, we're going to talk about rebuilding our nation. You think about our nation right now. It is, you know, it's most unusual time, of course. And America is different than it was just 5, 10, 15 years ago. And we as Christians, 
need to be faithful in rebuilding what the Lord founded our nation on. And I'm going to show you some scripture in a little bit where it says, in God we trust. We have to say that as Americans. Our nation needs to trust in the Lord. So that's going to be this week. I want to encourage you as well as online folks to make it a commitment these four Sundays to say, I'm going to be part of this rebuilding sermon series. You think about here, this passage, we're about to read this scripture here, on about Jesus when he is walking on water. And it says the disciples were afraid. So fear is something very natural for us. But you think about fear. What are you afraid of right now, or this past year? What are we told to be afraid of? I made a little list, as well as there's a little list here in your bulletin. Think about some of the current things. And you know, it changes every year what you need to be afraid of. We need to be afraid of our democracy. Our our nation, you know, uh, it could collapse. We certainly need to be afraid of COVID-19. There are people, you know, we... Our church went through kind of a wave around um, about a dozen folks in Broadway got COVID during, um, not here at the church, not that we know of, but during Thanksgiving. Well, we've had another 15 or 20 this Christmas New Year. So, I mean, it's, it's here at Broadway Baptist Church. Folks in our church are right now worshiping online, and they're battling this, this disease. Herman's fighting for his life for this. So this is real. This is something We do need to be, the reason we're wearing these masks and we require them is because this is a real fear. And we're also told to be aware of climate, be afraid of climate change. Are you afraid of climate change? Identity theft. Do you ever worry stuff's going to be stolen from you? And we certainly need to be afraid of snakes. You can put in there, I'm actually afraid of snakes. Public speaking could be in there. Let me ask, who else is here is afraid of snakes? Anybody else? Good. That's what I'm talking Sherry, I'm glad to see your hand. Yeah, I'm not a snake fan, uh, so with that. But you think about, you think about your, uh, your retirement, the economy, your job. I mean, you could fill that list out. There's all these things around us that we need to be afraid of. And what we're about to see here in our Bibles, Jesus is going to tell us who we need to be afraid of. And fear for us as believers, it is not something that should dominate our life. The only person we should be afraid of, according to the Bible, we're going to see this in a little bit, is God. God has the authority and the power to destroy not just our own body, but also to cast us into hell for rejecting His Son. We should fear the Lord. Say, what does that mean? You hear that phrase all the time. Fear God. Fear God means you respect the Lord. It means you recognize, you understand that God has power. He has an understanding. He has an omnipotence and an ability to do anything, unlimited, anything He wants to do. only thing He can't do is sin. God does not sin. He's the truth. He doesn't tell a lie. He says something, it will happen. And for us, we need to have that same reverence for the Lord that He expects us to have. And there's a sense of awe in our life when we daily live our lives fearing the Lord. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about this past year. 
Think about this. We're talking about rebuilding your commitment to God. Have you, this past year, maybe you have gotten out of your routines. Maybe there was once a time you were coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and now you're not. And spiritually, you have, you've, your foundation starting to crack. You maybe don't have the prayer life or the devotional life that you once had. That means you need to rebuild your commitment to the Lord this new year. The daily practices and the decisions you make today in January, you stick to them. They will carry you the entire year. So open up your Bible here. John chapter 6. God's Word tells us that Jesus walked on water. Now, this account that we're going to see is usually the one that's not read. We folks normally preach on and teach on about the one in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But here, this is John's account. It's a little bit shorter. It says here, When evening came, I mean, uh, John 6.16. His disciples went down to the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. And they got into a boat, and they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. Now, what's occurring here is Jesus just fed 5,000 people. They were so impressed by that miracle, the folks came to Jesus and they were trying to make him the king of Israel. It was unbelievable the following that Jesus had leading up to this. The disciples have 12 baskets of fish and bread. He took five, five loaves and two fish and multiplied it. For everyone to eat. And there is just, you know, when you give someone a free meal, they are appreciative of that. Especially if they're hungry. You know, the win people over, you feed them. It almost always works. In fact, today, as you know, we have four children. I asked one of our sons, how Sunday school went? I always want to, and that's important for parents to ask. I did that right before the service started. The young man told me that he got an airhead. That was it. He ate an airhead. You don't know, airhead's a candy. Nothing about the lesson. Nothing about anything about what God taught him. What do we think? We think about food. We think about candy. You're thinking right now, what am I going to eat for lunch? Jesus just fed large quantity of folks. And they're going to try to make him the king of Israel. So now... He doesn't, he's not in for that. That's not what Jesus came. He didn't come to be the king of Israel. He's already king of kings. He, he was already king of Israel. They just didn't realize it. He's king of our life. So the disciples are in their boat and they're sailing. They're going back. And it says here that Jesus didn't get in that boat with them. He stayed behind. And it says, darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. A high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the seas, walking on the water. 
He was coming near the boat, and the Bible says they were afraid. They're afraid of this man. Could you imagine being in a boat, and all of a sudden it's windy. All you can think about is we're in the middle of a lake. Sea of Galilee is just a massive lake. It's really bad, unexpected storm. It's dark. I can't see anything. You know, it's just the boat's rocking, and here comes a man walking on the water. I mean, that's not normal. And that's what they're witnessing here. And they recognize it's Jesus, but they think it's a ghost. They are scared to death of what's about to happen. A, a, a man is walking on the water towards him. Now, in the other accounts of this story, it says Peter yelled out to him, and Peter wanted to come see him. So Peter started walking on the water towards Jesus. And we all know what happens. He looked around, and he saw, wow, it is really windy. He took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink, and Jesus reached out his hand and, and saved him from that. But look what it says here. They're afraid. But he said to them, it is I. It's me. That is what Jesus is speaking to you and I today. If you are here and you have fear, so maybe if some of those things I named and we talked about, you are struggling online, folks, with there is Fear in your hearts. Jesus is coming beside you in 2021 and saying, John, it is I. Steve, it is I. Mary, it's I. I am with you. Why would you be afraid? Do you know when you are saved? Salvation is not a fresh start. It's not like a contract. Salvation doesn't mean God makes the down payment and then we have to make the monthly installments like on your, on your home loan. No. Salvation is God has saved and sealed you forever. You're His. And God is speaking to these disciples who are fretful and fearful. And He's saying, I am here for you. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Why is this fear swollen into your heart? It says, then they were willing to take him on board. Yeah, I love that they were willing. As if they're going to stop Jesus just walking on the water. If he needed to climb, like, why, why do I even need to climb in your boat anyway? I don't even need a boat. While you ride a little boat down the water, I just walk down the water. He has no fear whatsoever of the high wind and the sea. He's just, so then they, they allowed him to get on, into the boat with them. And it says, once he got in the boat, they were immediately arrived where they were at. <clears throat> I put a scripture here of Psalm. You don't need to turn there. Look here at this Bible verse. Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Verse 4 says, In God, whose word I praise, look at this, your money, the money in your pocket, money in your wallet has this. In God, I trust. We trust in the Lord. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That statement that David wrote 3,000 years ago reminds us, my trust my hope, it's not in America. 
It's not in our wealth. It's not in our family. It's not in our ability and skills. You and I trust in the Lord. He is the one who will carry us through. It's not in our doctors. It's not in whether or not we socially distance. God wants you to get to the point spiritually where you say, Lord, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what I'm going through, God, I'm yours. I trust in you. Lord, I live for you. What else can a mere mortal do to me? Jesus answers this question. Flip in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. This will be our last scripture. I want you to turn to this. Jesus tells us who we need to fear. He makes it very clear that our life should be one that we fear the Lord alone. He is it. Matthew 10, 26. You know, while you're turned there, I want to read a quote from D.A. Carson. He's a great uh, Bible theologian. He said, The worst the persecutors can do does not match the worst God can do. The worst the persecutors, if you're under persecution, and I want to say, when I, later this month, when we talk about our nation, there could be a day, one day, where Christians are tried to be silenced, where you might lose your voice, where in the public square, folks might not want to hear what God's Word says. God's Word is offensive to unbelievers. Someone who's spiritually lost, the last thing they want to hear is someone telling them that they're a sinner, that they're living in error, that God is not pleased with their lifestyle. But we as born-again, Bible-believing Christians, we hold to God's Word. We do not fear man. Now, we are very respectful. We honor our country. But when God's law is very clear, and there's a national or state or local law, and it conflicts with what God's law says, and we're forced to choose, we choose the Lord. We live by this book here as believers. Look what Jesus tells us. He talks about this. Matthew ten twenty six. Therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. Meaning there will come a time, it won't be here on this earth, when we face judgment, do you know everything will be revealed? The book of life will be opened. Every deed ever done, God will know right there. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Meaning, if Jesus tells us something, we are expected to speak up. And that's what you need to be doing. You need to be looking for witness opportunities. I went to the gym yesterday. I had the opportunity to talk to the Lord about a gentleman. I didn't get much of a workout in, but I got to talk about Jesus. That's, you know, but you say, what's more important? I got in the car with Elizabeth and said, well, Elizabeth, you know, I did like 80% of what I was hoping to do, but the conversation turned to the Lord. We speak up we share what God has told us. And he goes on to say, 
what do you hear? What you hear in a whisper proclaim on the housetops. Meaning he's saying the gospel doesn't back down. You should be bold in your faith. Online folks, you might not be seeing folks right now in person, but you on, on the internet can boldly proclaim. You can share things from the church. You can share this sermon. You can let folks know where you stand spiritually in your relationship with the Lord. Look at this, verse 28. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. That means if we die, yes, that's a tragic loss of our life. But Satan does not have authority in killing our soul. That rests alone with the Lord. Rather, fear Him. Who's the Him here? This is God. Who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God tells us very clearly, Jesus speaking here, it's words in red in your Bible, that it is Him who we need to be afraid of. He is the one that has authority over this life and the life to come. Church, this puts things in perspective for us. This reminds us that we do not fear our government. We might not agree with it. We don't, we don't fear our employer. We, don't, we should not live in fear of our family. We live, we live in fear solely of the Lord. And that fear is one of respect. That fear is one that we show a reverence to. We have a vast understanding of the power that God, what He can and can't do. That's you know, what keeps an unbeliever, an unbeliever, unbelieving persons do not believe that God has this power. They have rejected it. They live their life thinking they are in charge. You know, there are basically two types of fear. You can either fear God or what we call fear man. Fear man is fearing your circumstances. Circumstances change by the day, change by the hour, changes like the weather. And if that is your fear, if you live a life by circumstances, you are going to be like that guy in the boat with the disciples where the wind, whatever the weather patterns are, that will determine whether you're afraid or not afraid. We fear the Lord. He is the only one that we should have a reverent fear of. It goes on to say, he, Jesus compares our life that with birds. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? So that, if you went to the bird store at Jesus' time, you could get a good deal for your penny. You could get two birds for, for the price of just a penny. And look what Jesus says about the birds. Yet, not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. All the animals... All the insects, all the birds out there, God holds their life in His hands. When a bird dies, I, basically He's saying when the most worthless bird that seems to have no purpose whatsoever, it's just flying around, using the bathroom on your car, and you, has, you, have no, you don't even think about it until you see what happens on your car. God is saying, I hold that bird's 
life in my hand. I know his days. At my consent, I release his life when it's done. Meaning, when you and I die, it is at the Lord's consent. It doesn't happen by accident. His life. Now, our foolish decisions can certainly end our life early. God is certainly, because sin in the world, He will allow that to happen. But it does not catch Him by, by surprise. He holds the bird's life in His hand. No matter, no matter how insignificant, how forgotten, how lonely you may feel, the Lord is right there. Look what Jesus says about this. Verse 30. But even the hairs of your head have been counted. God knows everything about you. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus tells us you're worth more than birds. And if he cares about the birds, God cares about you. God loves you. God wants to see you saved. God wants to see your family come into a relationship with Him. God wants to answer your prayer. God wants to rebuild your faith for this new year, 2021. Your faith, your foundation has been shaken. It's, it's been a hard 2020, but there's no reason for the Lord not to rebuild it. We trust in Him. And we know the Bible tells us when Adam and Eve were created, God says, I have created man in my own image. That means we receive a soul. That's what sets us, makes us more valuable than birds. God, if He can handle and is a fully knowledgeable of the animal world, the hairs of your head, every detail of your life, there is no reason for you to be living fearful, afraid, scared. You literally say, Lord, every day, I'm yours. I trust in you. As for me and my house and for my life, I am the Lord's. Jesus, you've saved me. You keep me. I live for you. Last thing here. You cannot separate your faith in Christ from your feelings for Christ. You can't do this. And if your feelings, I want to tell you all this, I want you to end on this. If you, your feelings this morning are one of fear and you're afraid and you're just, just worried, and there's a million and one things to be worried about, that influences your relationship with God. Because what happens, here's how I want to end. I want, you, I want you to remember this. If you have these emotions that are fearful all the time and you're worried, then you're not thinking about God. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your problems. You're thinking about your difficulties, your sickness, your, your, your place in life, your family, your lack of family, your loss of a family, your relationships. Your lack of relationships. When you'll get married. If your marriage will remain. Your finances. Your retirement. All of these things. All these things do. Yes, they're all important. But if 
you have strong feelings, and those feelings just shape you all the time, and you're thinking about money and your health, it influences your faith in God. And many times it's not for the better. It's for the worse. And I think for us, signs your commitment to God needs to be rebuilt. If you no longer attend worship, you think about it. Maybe a year ago, you were faithful in your devotional life. You were faithful in Sunday school. And this is the longest period in your life you've gone without going to church. That's a reality. That's a faith that needs to be rebuilt. Broken relationships, maybe they've caused you to become bitter. This past year, you've had disagreements with folks. You were once friends with people, now you're not friends with them. And bitterness has crept in. That's a sign of a broken faith. A decrease in your giving. A lot of times when there's uncertainty, what do we hold on to? Our money. You think that's your security. God has told us we cannot serve God and mammon. You either live for money or you live for the Lord. Money is a tool that God uses to advance His kingdom. We do not bring money with us. It doesn't go to heaven. God looks at us and judges us by our relationship with Him. And fourthly, an indifference towards evangelism and salvation. Maybe there's folks that you used to pray for to get saved, and you're not doing that anymore. God might have, you might have some friendships that you need to be thinking about. This person doesn't know Jesus. They are going to hell without the Lord. They are eternally separated from Him. Lord, I need to be looking for opportunities to witness and share my faith. You think about all these things. If you have decreased in any of these areas, if you aren't doing the ministry and the commitment that you once had, maybe a year ago, in January of 2020, you need to rebuild your faith. I want to give us an opportunity, and give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Do you need to get saved this morning? Online folks, do you need to trust in Christ as your Savior? Are you afraid? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. This is a prayer of salvation. You can pray this prayer yourself, wherever you're at. Pray and receive Jesus as your Savior. When you cry out and call out to Him, He doesn't wait for anything that you've done. He's just looking for someone with a repentant heart and an attitude that says, Lord, I'm yours. I come to you broken and in need. I'm hurting. And Lord, only you can rebuild my life. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And we're going to have a prayer to receive Jesus as our Savior. You pray this prayer in your heart. Dear Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I turn from my sin. Lord, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm living for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you prayed and received Jesus, you're saved.